Welcome to episode five of the Sideline Junkies podcast. If you haven't already, go ahead and give us a follow and a like on our social media accounts. Links for all of our social media accounts will be listed in the description of this video. Your hosts for today's podcast are Matt Turner and Todd Polston. I am Alec Williams and I am the moderator in charge. We have a great show planned for today, so let's go ahead and get started. It is now time for Toddy's Tiger stat of the day. What do you got for us, Todd? All right, so Tiger Woods has earned almost $120 million in golf earnings. Okay? The year before he turned pro, so 96-97, the Tour's all-time career earnings leader was Greg Norman at $9.59 million. So that tells me that one, money's gotten a lot more substantial on the tour, but that's credit to Tiger Woods. So there's my awesome Tiger Woods stat of the day. That's insane. There's, you can almost make that in like three tour wins now. Exactly. Guys that don't even like equal out to how good Greg Norman is that have already made more money than him. I saw the uh, – they had a list on the other day of all time, and I think Phil was like 100 close to it in second place. Some 90-some maybe, I think. And, uh, I mean, people like Zach Johnson and, you know, of course they've won numerous times, but, you know, they've made 50 or $60 million off, you know, and with 17, you know, 10, 11, whatever it is, 11 wins. I mean, sure. yeah, getting up there. I mean – so you know, he's probably made twenty million on tour or more. I'm sure. Yeah. So it's crazy how much money's changed. Um, you know, kind of since Tiger, you know, blew up and and won so many times and made golf more more popular. All right, let's let's move on to the first topic of the day, and that is Duke and Zion. With uh, it looks like may have gotten some benefits while he was coming to Duke and why he was at Duke. A uh, former agent came out after they split ways and has pretty much ratted out on Zion and what he did at Duke. Guys, what do y'all, what y'all's takes on it? Well, it was his marketing agent, I think, that he had signed with and they he was trying to be, trying to break ties or something he was going to sue the, the marketing agent. So I guess they just decided I'm going to spill the the beans on him now and just share everything. Yeah. It was a lot of money. Yeah. So from what I've read and kind of like seen other people talk about some people that, you know, are pretty intelligent individuals, at least on Twitter, uh, it was like multiple payments of $20,000 for every month that Zion was at Duke. So I don't know what it ultimately equaled out to. I think it was like a hundred or maybe 200,000. It was a lot of money. Um, uh, but they, I mean, I guess he has to be, ultimately he doesn't have to, to go to court and appear unless he gets subpoenaed to. Um, but man, if he does, if he, if he ends up going and testifying and he has to admit to that, um, Coach K is done. Cause that's the first person to come out and admit to, to get money. First player. I would, I would assume Duke would be done. 
Well, I saw uh, today, I think they had, uh, I saw a clip on Twitter from the guy that was on ESPN. I can't remember what his name was, but he might have been a legal analyst or something. But from my understanding, what he said is, is if all this stuff happened, you know, Zion has three things he can do. I think it was either, you know, admit to doing this, uh, admit to some things you did or didn't do, or, you know, say he didn't do any of it. He has to, from what I, my understanding is, I think it's going to come out to the point where he's got to appear or at least write an affidavit saying what he did or he could potentially lose all that, that lawsuit with uh, his marketing agent, from what I understood today. So I think there's actually a little bit of credibility to him actually having to at least report something, whether he did or didn't do it or, you know, and send an affidavit in or appear, you know, in court and, and, and speak on it. So, which me, that tells me, you know, there could be a lot of, you know, hot water for Duke if, you know, he has to admit that he did take money. And I know there's a photo going around, which I don't know if it's a, you know, a you know, reliable source or whatever, but there's a picture of the home that he had in, uh, at Duke. And it's a, I mean, absolute mansion. And from my understanding, I don't, I'm not sure the background of, Zom, but I don't think he had millions and millions of dollars. Like, you know, I don't think he had a rich, you know, so-called rich family by no means. But in that house that you know has been floating around on uh, on the internet is uh, is quite nice. Yeah, as I said, uh, he lived in Greenville, South Carolina, I think. Yeah. Or somewhere around there, uh, and they, it was a. Spartansburg. It's a huge difference. Okay. So it's a huge difference between where he was and where his family lived. Right. Um, which I don't comprehend why families do that. Like right. you're asking to get in trouble. Why not just move into a modest house like you already live in? Move, just upgrade just a little bit. But you, right. I mean, you're you're throwing up red flags left and right on yourself when you go get yourself a million dollar house. I say I think that's just stupid. But like I said. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that there, there are three options. You admit something, you admit a little bit of something, or you don't say nothing at all. Some legitimacy to that accusation that he received those benefits. Well, I mean, like you said, you know, with the whole Kansas situation, there is the assistant coach said that, that they were willing to pay for Zion to come to Kansas. Now, in my eyes, and I think we've talked about this before, there is no kid, in my opinion, it's going to be offered $100,000 and go somewhere else unless there wasn't something. I don't care if it's Duke, Kentucky, or anybody. There's something that had to have been drawn him to Duke because if you remember that whole entire recruitment, the whole thing was it was Clemson for two days. Evan Daniels was locked into Clemson, which he hardly ever – he's missed like, what, three recruits ever since he's been doing his, you know, uh, analysis and stuff on recruits. And, you know, that shocked everybody. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't even. I think there might have been a one vote for Duke on the entire. I'm not, actually, I think he was 100. percent I think I think he was 100 percent Clemson, you know, up until the decision time. Didn't they have Kentucky, Kentucky had a higher. They predicted Kentucky higher than Duke, right? I think it was like Clemson, Duke, and maybe South Carolina. Oh, was, was that like the one thing? Duke wasn't even in the in the picture at that moment, from what I understood. Oh. Um, it's been a few years back now, but. You know, that, that just tells me, man, there's something at least going on because if Kansas has admitted to trying to give him $100,000, um, you know, something happened. And, and I, somebody made a good point on Twitter today and said, it's not the point that um, 
Zion took the money because I get. I mean, I understand you may need it. Play. I think players should get some type of endorsement money or something for playing if they're good enough in college. Um, but the whole point is, I, I think the whole thing with Coach K being so clean this whole entire time and nothing ever happens to him. I think that's kind of where everybody's at with hoping, you know, something gets brought upon Duke, uh, you know, for the future. Yeah, and I I knew uh, some people who pretty tied in with the basketball community at that level. And, um, you know, I'm not going to act like I have a source, but what I was told was uh, Clemson had got on Zion so early that they didn't have to get dirty. They didn't have to offer money. Right. That's what the, the head coach didn't want to do. He, he didn't want to become that guy. Now, I don't know how true that is or not how true it is, but that's what it was said. And then when he had heard that some of the bigger-name schools were coming into it, he still kind of took the road of, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But apparently he had made a comment to uh, a booster that – if the boosters wanted to go that route, he would turn the other cheek. But he wasn't going to be directly involved with that or have anybody on his staff. So I think Clemson somehow offered him some money too. Uh, Duke just came in with a much sweeter deal. That's just my opinion. I, but I think everybody in some way has been either is dirty or has been dirty when it comes to playing the page. You know, even if it was, you know, even if it was 10 years ago, somebody somebody has done something at some point, whether it was $10,000 or $100,000, somebody's done something. I agree. It's just, in my opinion, it's good to see that uh, Coach K is finally getting what we all kind of knew. Right. So, that's me. I agree. Uh, Dickie V came out this weekend and came out and said, uh, look for allegations to be sent out on two Power Five conference teams within the next six weeks or so. Uh, who do y'all think those two schools might be? I think LSU Arizona. Is that, I'm guessing that's coming from that scheme, the scheme part there, I guess, isn't it? I'm just going by what I would think it's them. If it's too high level, there were seven teams or so mentioned. That's the two other highest. Yeah. Um, you know, Kansas already getting the allegations. That's, that's my personal opinion. It could be, you know, it could be anybody else. But I think that's the two that will get the violations. Yeah, I think whenever he had made that comment, it was after – I mean, it was definitely days and probably a week after Kansas got their allegations. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, it, was, it wasn't long after the whole thing was out and due. So I'm assuming he's not talking about either of those two, and I would have to agree with Todd. It has to be – I mean, just based off the team and just some of the stuff you heard, it has to be Arizona and LSU. Um, I mean, I would think those were the two most mm-hmm. outrageous things I'd ever heard in my life when it comes to sports Gosh. and players. So I would think it has to be those two. I agree. Now, as a Louisville fan, I, the way I don't understand is – how does Louisville get their allegations so early and the rest of these schools are so far back? You all may not have had as many. I mean, I, mean, I hope that's how it is, but I mean, knows? that I would just think that maybe, maybe you all's were, all right, we only have two level ones or whatever it was. We only have a couple violations that were done here. Let's hit them with those so we can move this one out of the way and get the bigger fish. That's what I think. 
I agree with that, but I also think with the whole, you know, the whole probation early on, I think this is just kind of, they were already been there. Let's go ahead and finish this off, get it over with, move on. You know, we've, we know this has happened. So that's kind of how I look at it. Uh, with Kansas, I'm sure um, it took a while to figure, you know, I, you know, a lot of people get mad at the NCAA about this stuff, but I'm sure behind the scenes, I'm sure there's a lot of work. Like you can't just go off what somebody says on Twitter or what something. You've got to have some type of – it takes a while to gather all this information. They can't just go into a committee hearing or into something else and be like, well, so-and-so got $100,000. I mean, you got to have some type of validation and, and, and a lot of proof for that. I mean, with the wiretaps or whether it's, you know, some type of recording or something, you can't just – you can just go on there with, you know, just a little bit of basis of what somebody says by hearsay. I'm sure the process does take a lot longer than, you know, I guess people really want it to be. Yeah, I agree. As said, Louisville was just already in their minds because you all are in trouble for something else. You're on probation. And I, like I said, I think y'all were the easiest ones to get quick because a lot. I think you all had the one player that they got you for. Is what it is. I think, like, like Todd said, a lot, a lot of work goes into it, and Duke is going to be involved with it. Kansas is, I mean, you think about when Kansas originally got named to now, it's been what six months. Yeah, and I'm sure there was more prep. Yeah, there's more prep that led into it than that. So, I mean, I'm just, the process just takes forever. Do what? The process just takes forever. It does. I mean, we won't. We won't see um, punishments for any of this for probably a year, if not that's longer. The, that's the thing. Who knows when the punishments will even come down? You know, we may even play this whole next season. Um, you know, like a lot of people said, you know, Kansas was one of the best teams in the country this past year. Had a, you know, they're part of the odds-on favorite to win it all uh, until it got canceled. So, I mean, you're talking about the whole, you know, the same way with Louisville here. If Kansas was to win the title this year, and then all this stuff happens. You go back and strip them of the 2020 title. Of course, now with the coronavirus, it didn't happen. But, um, you know, to me, I just feel like that seems unfair. The whole thing with Louisville is nobody knew about Strippergate at that time. But with Kansas, you knew that something had happened. It should have been investigated then in a lot of people's eyes. But like I always say, I think it just takes longer than people understand for them to you know, be able to have some type of validation that they've done something. they got to make sure they have a great case before they try to try them with a probation or a death penalty or, or whatever you're going to do. So I think that's why it takes longer than a lot of people want it to take. And I, and I think, you know, kind of tying into all of it, if you know, I'm, I kind of believe I'll only punish the team if the player that they cheated to get actually went there. Right. Punish the coach if – they cheated, didn't get him. Don't make everybody pay for everything. It's yeah. like Clay played, and they won 30 games that year, and he played in all 30. I, I think that's the only time you can strip a school of wins. Um, but let's say – let's say can, for the, the just sake of any of it, Kentucky paid to try to get Zion, and there's proof that they tried to pay to get him. We didn't get him. Cal should get punished or whatever yeah. – and coach tried to line it up. I agree. But you don't – I just don't think you can – I don't think it's fair because, like, in Louisville's case in 2013, what does taking that title from them 
do to resolve the fact that there was strippers in Minority Hall? Nothing. And, you know, not all those players came. I think one of them, I, I can't remember what his name was, ended up at uh, Ohio State. Uh, Lyles, Jaquan Lyles, was that his name? Yeah, I think He was one of the kids. So, so how you fire McGee, you fire whatever other coach, whoever was funneling McGee the money, because you knew McGee, McGee doesn't make, he wasn't making enough money to, to pay for the, for all the times the strippers came. But you, you fire them or you punish them, whatever it is. I just don't think you can't punish a team of guys who, who weren't recruited using that illegal stuff. I think like Terrence Williams was involved with it, but Terrence Williams was already a student there was already on team. So, yeah, he went – I mean, I just – I don't think you can punish uh, a team if the kid didn't even go there. Punish the coach. I agree. All right, let's move on to the next topic, and that is, is Coach Calipari a better recruiter or a coach? Who wants to start it off? How do you want to lead us? I'll lead us. I think here's the, here's the thing. I think the easy answer – is for a lot of people is he's a great recruiter and a mediocre coach. I think that's kind of everybody's – I think there's even certain – I think there's like about a small percentage of U.K. fans who now are starting to believe that, you know, or for a long time have believed that. And now that he didn't have these great classes, you know, what's their thing now? He can't coach or he can't recruit. So, you know, here's my whole thing. And I've said this for a long time. I don't care how good of players you have or, or all that stuff. You don't win 300-plus games, three four Final Fours, a title, because you can't coach. Because if that was the case, you can't tell me that Brandon Nightshear – let me rephrase this with Josh Harrelson was our starting center. Okay? You don't take that team to a title based on just talent because they weren't talented enough probably to say they should be a favorite to win the title. They almost got beat by Princeton in the first game of the tournament. But Brandon Knight bailed them out. And they hit a temper against Ohio State. So my point is, he can coach basketball. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he knows X's and O's of college basketball or any level of basketball. I just think that's an easy cop way out of saying, because he's been known with Derrick Rose and all that stuff. I think that's everybody's way of saying, well, he cheated in the past, but now he has to go out and pay money to get all these good players so he can win. And I think that's so unfair. I, that's just my, I think that's very unfair to, um, you know, his track record of, of all of his wins and, you know, what he's done. Um, you know, I just think he gets a lot of, a lot of bad press for his coaching when I think he's a – I'm not sitting here telling you he's the best coach in college basketball. You know, coach K is probably the greatest coach ever. Um, Jay Wright's a great coach. Um, there's a lot of great coaches. Um, but he's right there with everybody. That's just how I feel about it. Um, I've always thought that, you know, everybody says, well, you know, he should have played Euless and Booker in the 2015 title. But a lot of people don't realize that Tyler Euless and Devin Booker were the two worst percentage defenders in the entire tournament. They couldn't guard nobody at that time. Tyler Ewis wasn't the player then that he was the following year. Devin Booker couldn't guard any of us. Could he go get a bucket? 
Could he go get a bucket? 100%. But he couldn't guard nobody. But a lot of people don't realize, too, that Wisconsin team was a terrible matchup at those two positions down low for us because Kaminsky could go out and stretch. And what was his name, the other dude that played down low, the one that held the buzzer, the shot clock too long? Was that Nigel or something? I can't think of what his name was. Sam Decker? No, Decker was a No, that was a wing. He was a guard. But – you know, with Coley Stein getting hurt, yes, we were 10 deep. I get all that. I, we were talented. I, I'm not disagreeing. I totally get that. But it still hurts because you lose that defender that can go out and guard four positions to where Booker and Ulysses couldn't do that. And you've got to live and die. I don't care what anybody says. You live and die by Aaron and Andrew because they took you to a final the year before. That's just my – I just – there's six five, six six guards – Aaron hit the three biggest shots probably ever in the history of UK basketball. So, to me, he played it. If there wasn't that, you know, here's the if thing. If that shot clock violation doesn't happen, we're still up four points going down to stretch it to six or seven, and instead you get a put-in layup, you go down, you miss a shot or a shot clock violation, come here, what it was, they come down, hit a three, and all of a sudden you go from, you know, up six or seven to down one. So I just like I said, there's a lot of things that go into a basketball game where the best team don't always win. Were we better than Wisconsin? No doubt. In my mind, no doubt. But it wasn't like they were some scrub team that was in, they're in the Final Four. You're not a scrub team if you're in the Final Four. That's just how I look at it. You don't just luck in to getting there. Now, you may luck into winning the first couple of games of a tournament by, you know, whoever those Gulf Coast and UMBC and all that stuff, but you don't you don't luck into Final Fours. It's like anything else. You don't just luck into, you know, make it to a championship, you know, final. They don't, they don't just – that don't happen. You're going to be somewhat good enough to get there. So, anyways, since I rambled on about that, but, you know, I just think Cal gets a bad rep for his coaching, and I think he's a very good coach. I think he's a great recruiter. Um you know, he hasn't got the recruits the last few years, but in my opinion, I think that's because of all the stuff that's went on in college basketball. Was Cal maybe paying players? Or, I don't know. That probably was. Who knows? But you can't tell me the last three or four years he has been because we haven't got those guys, and everybody else has. So something's changed. Kentucky hasn't changed. So you can't tell me it's because they don't want to come play for Cal because of the way he coaches or because Kentucky hasn't been as good. Something's went on. Um you know, so we'll see. I'm I'm anxious to see how this year goes. He's got those good recruits back. He's got that elite player. Uh, he's got a couple of good transfers. So I'm hoping that, you know, maybe we can get back on that track of, you know, making a Final Four and having a chance to win a title again. I mean, you, you let it off with, uh, you know, fans, you know, blame him for this or that, you know, when you stop, losing play, or stop getting those elite players. Um, yeah, I think he's both. I think he's a great recruiter. And I think he's a great coach. Uh, like you, I mean, same boat as you. You know, the thing was, when he was getting the great players, uh, nobody said a word. But the second he stopped, then we just blamed it on, oh, well, he need, it was when Coach O left, we stopped getting the elite players. And, you know, we need to get better recruiters as assistant coaches, you know. Um, and then – but we also, at the same time, we've got fans who – He's t- like he's catering to fans when they say we're we're tired of one and done. We want guys who are going to be here for two three years. Uh, 
and he tries and goes and, and gets, like, not a top 10 guy, a guy who's in that 30 range. The problem is Kentucky's developed the, the mystique of the one and done. So those those 30 to 40 players, they think, oh, he's recruiting me, I'm one and done. So when it doesn't happen, you see him leave after a year. You know, the Johnny Juzang. And granted, I don't know if that's why Johnny Juzang left. I'm just speculating. But Quaddy Green, those guys, they leave because, you know, his job is to recruit over you. And if you don't leave after one year, you feel like coming to Kentucky was a waste. Mm-hmm. So he's created – like, that's just his – he's created that mystique of Kentucky's a one and done. You're a pro player after a year because that's what kids believe. So when you don't, you leave. And that's why – you know, like I said, he's catering to the fans who want those kids. He tries to get them, it doesn't work out. So he's blamed for that. He gets blamed for catering to fans and giving them what they want. He he gets blamed for, you know, if if we lose a couple games, you know, the the Evansville game this year, um, we lost a couple last year. You know, if you lose to teams that you shouldn't lose to, you know, because he's properly preparing us for a postseason run. We blame him for that, and we say he can't coach. And you're probably his big I'll, – I'll be honest with you. After every win or loss, it doesn't matter. You are one of his biggest supporters in the in the fact that uh, he's a great coach because you get right on Twitter, Todd, and you have no problem having a conversation with whoever wants to, to question it. Uh, you know, and I think it might have been – was it a Louisville's coach uh, who said, you know, he doesn't run a lot, but what he – like hard to stop what he runs – I think that was I think it was uh, Chris Mack who said it uh, after the game, and it's true. You know, I'm not I'm one of those people that yes, I would if I'm coaching, have a bunch of stuff so you can always keep whoever's playing against you guessing. But if you have great stuff that works, why change it? He has great stuff that works because all of it's still it's not that dribble drive, but it's still a read and react where you. And he's got – if you've got the players who can make the plays, don't switch it. That's why he's a great coach. He puts his best players – he puts all – honestly, he puts every player in the best position for them to be successful. He doesn't allow them to go out and, you know, E.J. Montgomery, you can float to the corner occasionally and shoot a jumper. But your best asset is your ability of like 15 feet and in, 10 feet and in. So we're going to let you play in that. I mean, and he, he allowed preachers to kind of step out and show his mid-range this year. Now, I mean, that's the sign of, sign of a great coach, his ability to develop kids. I think a lot of that goes to Kenny Payne, too, especially with the bigs. You know, great coaches surround themselves with great assistant coaches. I just yeah, – I think he's, he's both. He, he recruits – he doesn't miss on recruits. How often does he honestly miss on a recruit that he didn't want? The ones he wants – well, you saw the three they bypassed on this year end up going pro. Yeah. This they were, you know, Christopher and, uh, and uh, the kid from Michigan, whatever his name was, the big boy. Isaiah was Isaiah Todd. Yeah, I mean, he was all over them in the, in, the, you know, in the fall and the spring of last year. I mean, everybody talked about them all three teaming up and, and playing together with Cade and all that stuff. And I don't know how he knows. I don't know if he knows. Maybe it's blind luck. But for some reason – Every time he goes after a major recruit and we don't get him, something always happens, whether they go pro or they get in trouble or they, you know, something happens. I don't know. Yeah. I can't understand why it happens or how. He has to know something. Like, and, and Kate Cunningham's a perfect example. We would, we would have him if Oklahoma State didn't give his brother a job. 
No, I agree. You know, so it's Cal doesn't miss on guys he wants unless it's a unique situation. Guys either want to go pro or play Kentucky. He loses the guys who would choose go play in G League. Your brother got a job at Oklahoma State. You lose that guy because you know ultimately your brother's going to get a bonus if you if you're the number one player in the country. You decide to go to Oklahoma State, so you pair the family. I mean, like I said, he doesn't misses. It's not often. Um, and I'll tell you right now. The, the role of an assistant coach is to grease the wheels. The role of the head coach is to come in and close the deal. And I still think when Cal walks into anybody's living room to close a deal, he's still the smoothest talking individual there is. And mom and dads love him, especially mothers. Yeah. Time to make sure that moms know that he is he's gonna take care of their baby. Yeah. So like I guess I think he's I, I think he's great at both. I agree. I agree. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, do rings make a better make you a better player in your sport? Turner, you want to take this one the first time? Uh, it's I think it's um, they're good for debate, you know, because if we're going off of rings, you're saying that um, Bill Russell's the best player of all time. I mean, it's the I think rings are an unfair thing to debate at in team sports. I think you now if you're saying do tournament wins in golf make you a better golfer, of course, because or in tennis or you know single person sports, yes. But in team sports, I mean, you could be LeBron. LeBron has been the best player in the NBA for years. He's not winning the title every year. Does that make him less because you know Steph Curry's winning titles that? LeBron should because he's the greatest player in the game right now? No. I think it's hard. I think because if that was the case, you know, that you could you could arguments for a lot of players being better than – how many is Robert Ory? Robert Ory has like six. So is right. he Kobe? You know, um, I think they add to the debate, and I think you can make those conversations – um, when it's close, like if you're like, never with when you're talking about the greatest players, I think I think rings shouldn't really come into it as much. Um, but I think when you're talking those guys that are like ten to fifteen, you can use it. Um, like, you know, Dan Marino doesn't have a ring; he's still one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So, I mean, it's just I think it's great for debate. I think it's. Um, it's good for that person. I think people want to, you know, if you're a, if you're a player, you want to say, yeah, I was a part of six championships. Um, and I think that's, you know, the, the with basketball, the number you chase is six. If you're a great player, if you're, if you're considering yourself the greatest player in the game, the number you chase is six. Because that's Jordan is the greatest player in the game. He's got six. I have to beat him. So, I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's good for the uh, I think it only matters with certain players, uh, depending on where you're ranking them, if that's what you're trying to do. Um, but I think there's a lot of other things that that mean more if you're judging a player on if he if he was a good player or a bad player. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I've had a lot of discussions with a lot of people about this um, topic, and you know, I always go back to. Are you going to sit there and tell me that Eli Manning is a better quarterback than Dan Marino? You're not. He has two Super Bowl rings. 
that's where people would say, you know, well, Eli's got two Super Bowl rings matter, or rings matter. So I'm going to say, you're going to sit here and tell me that Eli's better than Brett Favre. That's always been my, was Eli one point better than Peyton Manning ever was? There's no way. Peyton Manning was a much better quarterback, mm-hmm. much way better quarterback than his brother. At one point, he had more rings than Peyton did. So, you know, it's like you said, man, it comes down to, I think, more individual sports, you know, where you control your own championship, like tennis, golf. I think that's a little easier, you know, just, you know, it's like pulling hairs with Jack and Tiger. Jack has more majors, so a lot of people say he might be the GOAT. But you also got to take into accountability that, you know, Tiger was injured for five years, four years. I mean, there's, you know, those five years he really didn't play. He still may never want a major, but who knows? But I think, like, in football, I mean, or basketball, like you said, chasing the six, it's all about rings. Like you said, Bill Russell's the goat then. It's not Michael. You know, if that's what you're looking at. I mean, if that's what people want to argue that rings matter, then how can Jordan be the greatest of all time when he only has six? You know, so I guess my point is, is you know, the, the big debate's always been LeBron and, and Michael and, you know, Michael's six for six and, you know, LeBron's three for eight or whatever it is. And, you know, I just – I'm kind of like what Kobe said that one day in that, that meeting forever ago or the interview he had where, you know, I just wish we could all appreciate greatness for the era that it's in instead of – you know, I'm, we're always going to compare. I get that. I'm not stupid. But I'm just saying, like, you can hate LeBron or you can hate Kobe, but you still got to respect what they've done for the game. That's how I look at it. I'm going to, you know, I may not like Kobe as much like LeBron, but I still respect, respect Kobe for his five titles and what he did for basketball and NBA and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, I mean, there's always, you know, in my eyes, you know, I think MJ, of course, is the greatest. You know, I mean, there's no doubt about that. I think he, he changed the whole game of basketball. But you can't tell me LeBron didn't change NBA basketball. He did. I mean, there's you – know, everybody is a freak athlete. Was LeBron the one that started that? No, but he was like one of those first people that came in in the social media world where he was stronger and faster and bigger and could pass and could shoot and do it all. So he kind of gained that, well, I see the next Michael. I think that's where everybody gets so tore up between LeBron and, and you know, Michael Jordan is because it's social media driven. now. Back then you didn't have it. Yeah. Like I think that's what changes all this is because everybody – you know, if, if there was a Twitter when Michael Jordan was playing and Charles Barkley played, there'd be so much crap talking going on. They would bash Charles for never winning the title. You know, they would have bashed Jordan when he retired or when Jordan lost in his first five or six years. As You know, I mean, that's what LeBron got. When LeBron couldn't win in Cleveland, what happened? They bashed him every day. Every sporting show he was on was, well, how can he be so good if he can't lead Cleveland to a championship? But he was in the same roster predicament as MJ was. They didn't have nobody. MJ had nobody until he got Pippen. Let's be honest. MJ couldn't win without Pippen. I mean, that's nobody wins without somebody else being a good player. I mean, LeBron played with Anderson Berejal for five or six years, and that was the second-best player. I mean, you're not going to win with Anderson Berejal as your second-best player. And then he got Shaq when he wasn't – Shaq anymore. I mean, that's just that's just the point. You can't you can't you know throw facts out just because you're so driven by Michael Jordan's the greatest. You got to be able to understand that everything about every player. That's how I look at it, you know. So 
just like if LeBron ended up winning seven titles, are you going to tell me, Turner, that LeBron is better than Michael? No, because I'm going to bring up that Michael's never lost. There you go. So that's my point. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, the same way. I'm not going to sit here and say that LeBron's better than Michael because he won more titles. And that's just how I look at it. I mean, if, if Michael would have, won, would have won one title, he's still part of the greatest basketball player they ever played. Yeah. Just like, if, you know, I argue that I think Peyton Manning's still a better quarterback than Tom Brady, but Tom Brady has five rings. I mean, so, I mean, you're splitting hairs between the greatest. So, if you're going, if you're a rings person and you're picking Brady, if you're not a rings person like me, you're probably picking Peyton. Or there's probably people that's picking Favre. I mean, that's just how I look at it. I mean, I, I just I think that with sports, you know, more individual, you can go by the championships, but it's just hard for me to argue rings with with anybody because, like I said, you can't tell me Eli at one point or any point is better than Brett Favre was at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. He's not. Or better than Dan Marino. But he has two times. So some people will say he's better because he has two times. So that's how I view that situation. And, and kind of going, it's it's not it doesn't have to, it's not trophy, but going with like the unfair thing that you judge players by. I mean, I personally, I want y'all to think about it because I I think it's I've said it for a long time. I think it's unfair to only count wins and losses on the quarterback, right? As if a defense doesn't help or your offense, the other plays don't help. You know, if, if you're a, if you're a quarterback and you led your team to 35 points and then your defense gives up 36, why is they lost your fault? But they only keep a record for a quarterback. And it, yeah, I agree. I think it's unfair. Also, I think it's unfair to count every interception as a quarterback. I think if a receiver or a running back, whoever, even touches the ball, hands on the ball, it is not – it shouldn't be the quarterback's interception. Or runs the wrong route, which happens a lot. Yeah, I mean, and that's – but see, that's the thing is that that would be one of those you'd have to find out for sure if that's what happened. No, no. You know. Sure think, the quarterback's always going to get the blame. Yeah, and it's kind of like with a pitcher. You know, and the reason why I speak on that is because I'm a Mets fan and we had, you know, Jacob DeGrom, who's, who's arguably the best pitcher in baseball, and we can't score runs for him, so he picks up losses. He may give up one run. Game because we can't get a we can't get a run we can't get a hit. So I mean like I just think it's unfair that you give losses to quarterbacks. I also think it's unfair when a quarterback gains a win and they only score seven points. Kind of like you know the Ravens win. Uh, Trent Dilfer I believe was the quarterback and they won a Super Bowl. We, I think we all know as fans that's not his Super Bowl. You know, that was well, it's just like a lot of people say Peyton didn't win when at Denver. I mean, yeah. he had the greatest defense, if not one of the top three or four defense of all time. Yeah. Of course, that was the end of Peyton's, you know, downfall there for the last couple of years. Of course, his first year in Denver, I think he broke all kinds of records, of course. But, yeah. I mean, that's a thing. I mean, it's still in a team sport, like I always say, you can't – just because Tom Brady throws interception in the game that ends the game, there's a hundred other plays in that game that change the outcome. So that's why this is another debate for another day. But see, I'm one of those people, I don't say, I don't consider somebody a choke artist. Just because LeBron or, or MJ or Kobe missed a buzzer beater with three seconds to go, what about when Alec missed those three free throws with 40 seconds to go that could get in the lead? I mean, that's how I look at it. Yeah. I mean, is there time? I mean, 
you know, there's a hundred other plays in sporting games that change the outcome. Don't tell me that I choke because I missed the buzzer beater. Yeah. You know, don't give, don't give the Bulls credit for hitting the game-winning three when Matthew Turner got the steal that gave that outlet pass where LeBron hit that three. They'll forget your, their steal, but they'll remember yeah. LeBron for it. You know, I'm getting that. That's a talent. I mean, I just, You've always been that glass uh, half-full guy versus glass half-empty. Like, you always see the – there's always other reasons that led to, okay, well, we, we also missed – Eight free throws in the first half and lost the game by one. Are we going to blame it on the missed shot at the end, or blame exactly. it five of those eight free throws we missed? You know, versus people who are like, "Oh, we were in a position to hit a game winner and we missed a layup." This game went left. So, I mean, I agree. I think it's hard to to blame anybody or to to loss on uh, pitchers or football players or quarterbacks um, based on one play. Like when they were like, oh, Tom Brady, uh, you know, threw that interception to end the game. Okay, well, you know, that defense didn't do a great job. They also didn't have a great offense. You know, players drop passes throughout the game. If players make plays for you, you know, your receivers beforehand in, you know, first, second, third quarter, maybe he's not in a position to have to, to take risks on those passes that, that ultimately led to that interception. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can. I mean, I hundred percent see where you're coming from. Um, I'm also the negative individual that any chance I can get to to blame LeBron for anything, I do. So no, no clutch factor. <laughs> I understand. I mean, I get it. I get so, it. There's no. But that's like, the, everybody has saying. that opinion on that. You know that that choke and you know it's in a game and stuff. But it's just like you you around me when we coach. I just it's just you know I'm not gonna sit here. If I miss a free throw, of course, I'm going to take the blame. I do that when I play pickup. I miss a lot, you know, anything. But, like I said, there's a bazillion other plays in that game that changes the outcome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people get bad, you know, bad reps for being, um, you know, choke artists when – no, it's not just LeBron. I mean, it's, it's anybody in sports. But, like I said, I think when you start going to individual sports, I think there's still things that change outcomes. You know, but, like, if, if I'm coming up to 18th hole and I need a birdie, I mean, well, I should have made that par on 16. I should have three-putted from, you know, six feet. There's a lot of things that, you know, happen, even in individual sports, that change the outcome, which ultimately, though, was your own fault. Where in, you know, football and basketball, it could have been somebody else. So, that's how I kind of view the – but we'll talk about that another day. Yeah. I can go on. I got – Ten athletes that have never won a title. Barry Bonds, Ernie Banks, Charles Barkley, Elgin Baylor, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, and Vince Carter. You're going to tell me Vince Carter wasn't very good? He's played 20-plus years in the league. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, like me, I consider – I mean, I consider Barry Bonds – I mean, I guess Tony Gwynn's the greatest hitter. Pete Rose had the most hits. But Barry Bonds is one of the greatest baseball players that's ever played. I don't care how many steroids he takes, boys. You get 70 home runs, and you're seeing about 
you're seeing you're getting one at bat every game, and every other time they're walking you, and you still hit 70 home runs, you still hit three. Listen, that don't change hand-eye coordination. That don't make you a better hitter because you got steroids. That may it makes you have a little pop. But dude, he's one of the greatest baseball players ever played, ever hands down. I mean, he was he's a 700 home runs, 500 stolen bases, career 300. I mean, he's got every accolade you can think of. And uh, to think he never won a title is crazy. I mean, it's, it's you know, and same way with Barkley. Everybody, here's another thing. Draymond thinks he's better than Barkley. Draymond's a freaking idiot. That's a yeah. whole other debate. But Barkley's one of the greatest basketball players that's ever – he was one, He was Zion before Zion came in the NBA. That was that six 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 seven freak athlete that could go drop 30 and 15 any given night. I mean, that's what he was. You didn't see like him and Shaq all the time. You don't, you don't really see him. That, that's one of those – it's like LeBron. Man. He's one of those athletes that come in that kind of just mold and change how you watch a sport. That's how Charles was when he came in. There weren't people like him. I mean, he was a guy that jumped out of the gym and got 30 and 15. I mean, and never won a title. Carl Malone, John Stockton never won a title. You're going to tell me that Carl Malone and John Stockton aren't good basketball players or not Hall of Famers aren't – I mean – that was a good. That was a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. That was good. Yeah. You know, good list. That's what I'm saying. Like, think about it. You could make a Hall of Fame list off of guys who've never won one, and then no then you could take guys who won multiple that don't aren't even in that conversation. Like I said, and I always like it. It's it's. And I don't want to sound like I'm hating on Robert Ory. Robert Ory was was never the best player on his team. He just happened to be. He made big shots on several championship teams, and he won five or six. I don't remember how many won, but. He probably won a top three player on his team. Do what? He probably won ever a top three player on his team. Ever. I mean, I agree. That's what I'm saying. I mean, we're, we're let's see, when he was with the Rockets, I believe he was there, Elijah was there, Sam Cassell was there, uh, Greg Anthony might have been there. There was already two or three right there that's better than him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, uh, you look at those guys, and you're just like, he was never even the best player on his team or in the top two. He wasn't, he wasn't one of your top two or three go-to players. Uh, ever. Ever. And, you know, I don't want to – like I said, I'm not trying to be a hater on it, but because he's won that many rings, do you move him ahead of Barkley? Because he's won five, Barkley won zero? You don't. When Draymond makes his comments, and it, it – I listen, I have a hatred for Draymond. I think he is the most ignorant individual. He really believes that he's on the same level as Steph and Clay because of this small ball. He thinks that he was a part of it. First off, small ball was created whenever they removed their center and put Andre Iguodala in. That's what made ball. They didn't just sub Draymond in as center to make him small. That was – they. it was to insert uh, Andre Iguodala. First off, then if you remove the two players, which they did this year, you saw what happened. Clay Thompson was hurt, and you know, and, and so was Steph. Draymond Green was terrible, and then this this is this goes right to just the ignorance of Draymond Green. He had the nerve to compare his struggles this year to the struggles Michael Jordan had early in his career. And he said, "Well, Michael never won anything when uh, he didn't have Scotty." Uh, Michael was still arguably the best player in the league. Yeah. He wasn't dropping six points, uh, six rebounds, and zero assists. That was, his, that was not his stat line. 
he was putting up 60 plus on Boston in the garden without, without, what are you doing? Like, I, I'm telling you, I, there's few players that really get that for me. And he's, he is definitely at the top of that list. I agree. Well, Todd, going off what you said about Tony Gwynn earlier, he is one of those players that never won a title. There you go. Tony Gwynn's never won one. King Griffey Jr.'s never won one. I mean, the list goes on. That's probably something we one day we should probably, at least in the NBA, make your starting Great. five of people that never won a title. Like, I'm looking at this list right now, and it just amazes me the amount of talent that's never won a title. I mean, that's, that's the crazy thing about team sports, man. You mean – and it's the, the way with the draft now. Like, everybody wants to be in that lottery so you can get more money. But you think about it, man, you're looking at the next six years of struggling. Like, you could be arguably the best player to ever, you know, to ever play the game. And go to a team that never gets you any help, which is what happened to LeBron the first his first stand in Cleveland. I mean, yeah. they played, when they played the Spurs that year uh, that he made to the finals early in his career, I think, like, the next best score was, uh, what was his name, uh, Booby Gibson. He had, like, one in the league that he was relevant. Yeah, I agree. You know, so, I mean, it's just – that's the thing. Like, you could – that's the bad – that's the downside to being a great player sometimes. You can go get all this money from one organization and they can't afford to bring you any more help. Anywhere else, yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, I got another one for you. Gary Payton, he didn't get one when he was with uh, Seattle. I think he got one late in his career with Miami. I think he was on that team with Shaq and yeah, and D-Way. But if he doesn't play there, because there was he he only he only played one year. I think he retired right after that. He was just ring chasing. He doesn't win one. Is he not considered one of the best point guards? I mean, like a top point guard. Right. I mean, that's a lot of people's eyes. A lot of people's eyes. He probably wasn't. But I mean, he's one of the greatest point guards guards ever played the game I mean, on, on both sides of the court. Same way with Stockton. Allen Iverson, Steve Nash, yeah. both of them. Yeah. And Allen Iverson was really good. Steve Nash was one of the best passers in the, ever in the NBA. Yep. I agree. That would be a great topic one day. I like that. I, I think it would be – it's going to be – it will be one of the most hated topics we ever talk about because the backlash and the names we end up leaving off a top ten list. No doubt. Or even I – mean, it's going to have to be top ten. Alec, there's no way we do top five. Oh, there's no way. Because top first, I don't know if I could make a top five. I mean, it would really have to just who scored the most. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's a hard topic to debate or just put together a list because there's so much talent that never won. Yeah, yeah I agree. All right, let's move on to the last topic of the day. Uh, Governor Andy Bashir comes out this past week and says, you sports – can start back up June the 15th in the state of Kentucky. What's y'all's opinions on that? Well, I'll make it, I'll make it quick. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing in the right uh, direction for sports coming back. Um, you know, I hope, hopefully it, it all goes smooth and, you know, we don't have a big setback with the virus and all that good stuff, but you know, I think it's going to be good to get the kids out you know, playing sports and all that stuff. So, I think – on top of that, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I and I talked to you all. I said kind of issued my concern with it was, you know, we don't officially know what capacity they're allowed to return to. Like, um, 
you know, Loop City Soccer in Louisville, they're they're allowed to do some stuff, but it's small groups. You know, I know that's not youth sports, it's pro sports or whatever. But if they're only allowed to do some sports or some like a small group of ten person setting, you know, I don't know to what magnitude they can really push um you know, youth sports. You know whether that I think, I think they had a meeting here that I think they've already announced like little league and everything here in uh, yeah. I mean, so, that's, I, that's my fear is just like, and we've, we've talked about it with high school sports too. It's how many people are going to be allowed to participate and to what length are you going to allow? I'm like, are you allowed to be full contact with football where people are, you know, rubbing, like touching each other, pushing each other, you know, mixing germs? Are you going to allow that? And with baseball, it's not as bad, but the baseballs, you know, Pitchers constantly throwing it. You know, if it gets hit somebody, somebody else's germs are on it. They throw somebody now. Another person that goes back to pitcher. Three people are not touch that baseball. Yeah, I agree. So that's, I mean, that's my worry is just wanting to know. I know they're allowing it to come back, um, but it would just be what capacity are they allowed to return to? If it's just yeah. small group practice, or are we? Are they going to push it to games? I don't. I mean, like I said, I, I'm interested to see. What that, how that kind of plays out, and if they're going to kind of uh, make an announcement as we get closer to the return date. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I umpire Little League Baseball here in town, and I mean, I'm glad they're getting to play. I'm glad the kids get to play. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I'm going to have something else to do because there's nothing else to do right now. Mm -hmm. But it's also got to be safe. I mean, we can't go out there and have games and people are getting a virus while they're out there. Yeah, that's supposed to be for fun, and you got to be worried about getting the virus while you're watching your kid play a baseball or softball or whatever. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I guess that's that's the scary part for me is putting fans uh, around each other, and then you think about it, then you get in the car with your kid who just played. So now exactly. around between you and your kid, you've been around fifty people. Mm -hmm. Any of them have had it, or they've been exposed to somebody who's had it. I, like I said, I just I want to see how it plays out once they announce anything. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything else for today? I'm good. Uh, I know. Listen, I know you guys didn't watch, but we got live sports this past Saturday night, the UFC event. And when I say I did, like, listen, I'm I'm a not a huge UFC fan, but when there's live sports for the first time in two months outside of Korean baseball, I'm going to watch. And, and I will tell you this, it filled the void. I've been needing some sports, and it filled the void. The fights were awesome. Uh, no fans there. So, like, when fighters won, there was a couple of them that still played played to the crowd as if there was people cheering. It was hilarious. Um, and it was a great – I mean, it was, it was enjoyable to watch something I didn't know there was an outcome to. Like, I didn't know who was going to win. It was fun. It was a good time. Uh, I wish y'all could see. Y'all probably would have enjoyed it just as much. But like I said, it's, we're slowly getting back into it where we're getting some live sports. I think there's a, there's a UFC event Wednesday night. Germany is bringing back their soccer league. I don't know if it's Saturday morning. I think they're bringing back their soccer league this Saturday morning. And there's another UFC thing um, Saturday night. And then the uh, Taylor uh, driver, uh, the Taylor made driver relief. It uh, matches Sunday, so it's a good week. We're getting live sports, and I'm, I'm, that's that's my big moment. I wanted to speak about that. I'm excited. I'm happy. 
Yeah, it's exciting. You know you're going to have some live sports coming up. Uh, I agree. Absolutely. All right. If we don't have anything else, that is all we got for you today. We would like to thank everyone for listening to the podcast and watching us, watching us on Facebook. If you haven't already, please give us a like and a follow on our social media account. Ron Rose, you got anything? Shades, everybody. Yeah, she looks like she's ready to, for us to get off. So let's go. We'll be back Wednesday with another great show and another great guest. Our guest for Wednesday is a great friend of the show and is a Kentucky State Senator. Max Wise will be on the show on Wednesday. You're not going to want to miss it. But until then, this has been the Sideline Junkies Podcast. Have a great evening.